not winning 90% of your new business because you have some sort of incredible value. I'm gonna take a bit of a different angle. You know, I've got a budget this big. I'm gonna give it to you because you have a, a really killer plan. You give a Red Bull to a turtle, what do you expect? <laughs> I think that's a dead turtle. <laughs> so let's move on to... Uh, Be break. Cheers. 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 Does your current premium finance company lock you into long-term agreements? That's because they don't want you talking to us. At IFS, we win your business the good old-fashioned way, with customer service. I know you don't always have to use a premium finance company, but when you do, you should use IFS. Cheers. Hi there, and welcome to another episode of the Digital Insurance Point Podcast. I'm your host, Tom Reed. As always, I'm joined by my colleagues, Adam Mitchell, CEO of Mitch Insurance. Hello. Uh, Steve Earle, CEO of Cheap Insurance. Good day. Jeff Roy, CEO of Excalibur Insurance. Welcome, everybody. And we are very pleased to also be joined by Carol Jardine, uh, now officially retired president of Wawanisa. Carol, thanks very much for joining us. Well, Tom, I actually have seven more hours. Oh, seven more hours. Okay, so we're, we're, we're jumping the gun. Okay. I didn't know you worked till 11 o'clock at night. Every night. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, uh, well, that's one thing we didn't know about Carol already. And I'm going to pass the uh, talking stick over to Jeff. So you can dig into a few more things that people may or may not know about Carol. Jeff, over to you. Yeah, Carol and Gray, congratulations on your last few hours. And uh, thanks for spending a few of them with us or an hour. Uh, this is the kind of our speed round. So our, our listeners get to know you. Uh, almost everybody across Canada already knows you anyway. But uh, we always like to pry in a little bit and ask a few questions. Uh, let's start off with music. What is your favorite Canadian band or artist? Oh, a Canadian band. Uh, Neil Young. Neil Young. That's a great one. Great one. Uh, who is your favorite band then? If it's not Neil Young and Canadian, what's your favorite musician? Uh, my favorite band, Chicago. Chicago, nice. Beverage of choice. You've had to do a lot of insurance functions. And when somebody says, hey, what do you want to drink? What is your favorite drink to get through those insurance meetings? Um, Uncle Val's Botanical Gin with Perrier. Oh, nice. <laughs> that is very specific. I drive everybody nuts, and uh, usually we can't get it in Canada. So then when they say, oh, I can't give you that, what else can I give you? So Love it. Uh, now, when you're not uh, leading the, the biggest Canadian mutual company, uh, what do you do in your free time? Tell our listeners, what do you like to do? I spend my time riding horses. So I have a few horses. I like to import them from Europe with some trainers, and uh, I breed horses. So anything to do with horses if I'm not at work. And where's the first place you want to go at retirement? Where do you want to travel to or do besides your farm? Uh, I'm, I have a terrible answer. I don't want to see the inside of an airport. Well, that's good. That's the living your life on your own terms. Pass it over to you guys. Great answers, Carol. Carol, you've had a, an amazing insurance career. And, and can you take our listeners through how you got into the industry and, and the different companies you worked for along your travels? Uh, so I was pretty fortunate when I was working um, through school. I needed a part-time job and I was encouraged to apply to be a claims adjuster. So I was a claims adjuster part-time while I finished off college. And when I finished chemical engineering at Seneca College, the insurance company Liberty Mutual offered me a full-time job. And when I looked at the options for chemical engineering versus insurance, uh, I chose insurance. So, uh, and I think when, when I look at my friends who went through Seneca, they've had great careers, but I think I've had a more exciting career. 
uh, being involved uh, in insurance. So I started Liberty Mutual as a claims adjuster, moved up through there to be a supervisor, and uh, was told by an old vice president, older vice president of claims that he was not promoting any more female claim managers. So I found a job as a female claim manager after eight years at Liberty and uh, went and worked at the Laurentian Group. And through the Laurentian Group, started doing mergers and acquisitions. We bought Gold Circle Insurance, uh, Aetna. And I ended up at Laurentian Casualty as the Vice President of Claims. Um, at a pretty young age, actually. I'm still surprised that I was doing that in my 30s. And uh, left the Laurentian Group to join Sun Alliance at a really cool time where they wanted to transform the company. And though we started and did a pretty good job, we got sold. We were the first company internationally to be sold by Sun Alliance to Royal. And I was the vice president of claims at Sun Alliance at the time. And Bob Gunn was the CEO of Royal and was great at convincing me not to go and join a startup called CIBC Insurance, but to come and join uh, Royal. And that he was going to show me the world, I think were his words. And he did a really good job. He... Uh, took me out of claims and put me into different roles, allowed me to be part of a strategy think tank. Some people you might know were part of that, Rowan Saunders, Sean DeSantis, Ed Sikorsky, myself, were all part of that strategy think tank in the early 90s following the merger of Royal and Sunlines here in Canada. We created a new vision for the company. I got to go out and be a regional vice president. I was in facility, did all kinds of cool things and ended up after being the regional vice president for Ottawa which was Northwestern Ontario and Eastern Ontario, and got to do some pickerel fishing with some great brokers in Northwestern Ontario, um, some moose hunting with some guys out of Sudbury, um, and some duck hunting uh, with some guys out of North Bay. I had a great career, but also grew the company, but learned the value of brokers and the value of brokers in the community in that job, and got promoted to be the head of claims for Royal. And during that time, got to travel the world as part of a knowledge sharing practice, um, and saw, I think I saw all of the companies that Royal owned at that time around the world and uh, had a really great career. And with that, they promoted me to be the head of personal insurance for Canada. That took me out of claims again and, and put me back into uh, an operating role. Um, ran the personal insurance group for the, a while. And then there was a time when there was going to be a changing of CEOs and it wasn't going to be me and I, I left and joined Allianz Canada and got it ready for sale to Intact. And from there, I always wanted to be a president. I put a goal down in my early 20s that I'd be a president of an insurance company and there was a one out in British Columbia called Canadian Northern Shield that was not in good financial shape. I think they shopped the job to everybody and the, the girl took it. So I had a chance to be a president of an insurance company uh, 20 years ago, and I took that opportunity and uh, went and ran Canadian Northern Shield. Now, through this time, I had remarried. I had three children, two stepchildren, so nobody, and my husband was terminally ill with cancer. So instead of moving to BC, I commuted to British Columbia, um, turned around Canadian Northern Shield, sold it back to Royal Sun Alliance, which is always a bit ironic, but sold it to Royal Sun Alliance and uh, ended up at TD Insurance doing claims transformation, then consulting, and probably the best part of my career the last seven years, uh, working with Wawanisa first as the strategy officer, and then for the last five years, uh, president of the Canadian operations. So pretty cool career, lots of ups and downs and ins and outs, and not staying in one place for too long, uh, but I think it worked out for me okay.
What is your greatest memory uh, from your career in insurance? Oh, uh, you know, I've got too many of them. Or give us your top top two or five, whatever you want. Well, I, I was sitting in Bob Gunn's office at Royal Sun Alliance after they bought the company, and somehow he found out I had a job offer from CIBC. And I was a single mom at the time, and I looked out the window, and if you remember at the old Royal Sun Alliance building off Young and Wellington, there was a back alley. They always used to shoot movies. There was horses tied up to the meters outside Bob Gunn's office. And as I sat down, I looked out and there were horses tied up. And I looked at Bob and I went, you know, I like horses. So if I stay, are those my signing bonuses? And I think <laughs> after then, uh, Bob and I got along pretty well. But he, he was a great mentor and a great believer in women in insurance. And he allowed me to, to really spread my wings and try some new things. And he was the one who encouraged me to join the knowledge sharing practice and travel the world uh, for Royal. So I think looking out the window and seeing those two, I'll never forget them, two gray horses. I think being appointed the president for Canadian Northern Shield for the Cumas Group and being allowed to go out and really do my own thing as an insurance professional and try the things that I'd always been having to ask other people if it was the right thing to do, especially working for RSA, a lot of control coming out of the UK. So this was a chance for me to do my own thing uh, so being appointed there and, and selling it, but having the people all get on to, you know, keep their jobs. And I think my last really great memory is the transformation that I led with Jeff Goy of, of Wawanisa, joining the company in 2016 and writing a strategic plan that when we finished that strategic plan in 2020, we sat down and we went through all the things that we wanted to accomplish. Uh, the innovation, the transformation, the technology, the underwriting performance, and we ticked all the boxes. And And I don't think I could be any more proud of, of working with a company that really wanted to deliver a transformation, being able to say that we ticked all the boxes. So, so Carol, uh, other than being stuck with Adam, Jeff, and Steve in a box in an NHL game, what is your worst memory? If I really think the one piece that I think about a lot is – being a field adjuster in Oshawa, Ontario in my early 20s and having to work with a family whose young son had died in the back of their car in a car accident. And it was actually uh, the parents' responsibility for the death. They made a wrong turn and, and the child was in the back seat and died. And having, you know, having to work with the father and the mother through that situation, explaining you know, what we could do to help them and going to the funeral, which is what Liberty Mutual had us do back then was going to the funeral. I think that's the worst memory for my career insurance, but it also reminds me every day why we're here. We're here when really bad things happen to really good people. We're here to help them get through it, whether it's financially, whether some of it's emotionally, but really to let them know the value of the insurance policy and that they're paying significant amounts of money every year for that piece of paper. And I'm sure they'd much rather buy, you know, a really nice refrigerator or something else with the $1,500. But being able to show them the value of the insurance policy and being a real human being uh, when they reach out to us and talk to us, which I think is why I value brokers, is I think you can be those human beings that people need when bad things happen to them. I'm going to get specific here for a second so and talk a bit about broker connectivity, which is a subject near and dear to all of our collective hearts on this on this uh, conversation here, but Wawanisa, and I assume this is one of the outcomes of your transformation, but Wawanisa is clearly the carrier leading the way on connectivity between carriers and brokers. What, I guess, what, what would you say, so you, you, got, you guys have already said that to yourselves, what would you say to other carriers 
who are thinking about that and essentially what needs to happen to accelerate the pace of both investment from the carrier side and the broker adoption side? Uh, well, a couple of things. Um, this is not an easy answer. I give the Wallonese executives in 2012 who really led the way in technology. Um, they had a failed technology experience and I'd gone down that road with them as the president of Canadian Northern wow. Shield in 2004, 2006, we didn't have a good time with technology. But they picked themselves up and in 2012 started a major policy to men system transformation and were one of the first companies to embrace the guidewire uh, methodology and solutions. And so I give them full marks, but why was it a mutual in Winnipeg that was prepared to spend that $300 million before others were in order to embrace the future? And I, I think it's that understanding that it take, that you have to invest in today in order to get to tomorrow. And the concern that I often have with insurance companies is they and, and brokers, you worry too much about expenses and you don't worry enough about what will happen three years from now if you don't spend the money today. So some people would call that short-sightedness. I don't think it's so much a short-sightedness as fear. You know, if I spend the $10 million, will I get what I want? Technology is complicated. There's been so many failures. It's very, very risky. And so I think it's that fear that stops people from making the investment or perhaps thinking that something better is going to come along tomorrow and they will have an old piece of technology uh, that won't work. And, and you know what, that might have been true in the 80s, the 90s, even 10 years ago, but any of the technology that's available now is easily adaptable to whatever's going to come out tomorrow. So it's very open architecture. Pam Lupke loves to tell me it's open architecture, Carol. We can make it all work. And, and so I think you just, I think brokers who have not invested in the technology have to understand, you know, it's the technology solves problems, it creates new problems, but it solves the biggest problem we have, which is we need the data and we need our people not to be spending time doing rote work that a computer can do. And we need to free up their brain to use the knowledge and the service and the empathy that they have to work with the customers every day. If you ask perhaps some, they might, and you ask me, I'd rather key something in than have a hard conversation with a customer. But it's the hard conversation with the customers, which, which is what really gives the value of a broker and gives the value of our insurance people that are talking to customers at the time of claim. So I would, I say invest in the technology, get rid of the rote work, the work that computers can do for you, and give your people the time to spend with other people. Awesome. Awesome. Amen. Rolling off of that, as sort of a call to challenge, what what other major issues do you see the industry facing in the next five years? I'm a little bit worried about auto insurance. I'm worried about Alberta auto insurance, and and you know there's pressure. Alberta's the only province between BC and Saskatchewan that still has private insurance, and you know we've seen some of the media and studies that have been let out recently. Um, so I'm a little bit worried about the future of auto insurance. Um, we're seeing car manufacturers trying to add insurance in at the point of sale. And as we look at autonomous vehicles and the future of autonomous vehicles, you know, when the driver is operating the car, they need to have insurance. But when the computer is operating the car, if the manufacturer is responsible, how are we going to divide up the insurance policy? And we haven't quite figured that out yet. Um, so right now we still have owner's policies, but I think we're going to have to think long and hard about the future of automobile insurance 
And what does it look like 10 years down the road? I'm talking about 10 years down the road, not tomorrow, not the next day. But I think over the next decade, we have to think long and hard about what is the best way to serve Canadians for automobile insurance. And I don't think it's going to be an easy answer. With our social health care and our government needs, I don't know. To me, that's going to be a hard one. And the second thing we're going to have to deal with is uh, climate change. And we've just seen it this week where droughts in California, and now there's rain. Uh, so the significant adaptation that needs to occur uh, with people who now realize that climate change is real. So my question, because I'm up next, um, is that Wawanese has evolved significantly over the last decade. Um, did you get it to where you wanted? I think you already answered this question, but perhaps I can flip it because you said you checked all the boxes. Was there anything anything left unfinished, I guess? I, I think, yeah, there was. I mean, we have a new strategic plan that got written after that one. It goes until 2024. And that new strategic plan allows us to push forward with our mutuality. And how do we give back more to members? How, how can we be proud about the amount of money that we return back to our, our members, our policyholders? So... There's the true value of the insurance policy, which we could only do once we had turned the company around. The underwriting results were strong. We had the innovation um, and we solved a bunch of problems. So when I, I listened to Jeff Goy today, talk to uh, some of the executives following the board meetings that we had last week, and he talks about the future of the company and what he wants to deliver in the balance of this strategic plan. Um, I think there was lots left to do, and I think the team that's there is going to finish it off. And as I've always told them, I'll be very proud to be sitting on my tractor on the hill on a farm and watch what they're doing and, and know that they've finished what we started. Nice. We really want to be the best Canadian mutual we can be. We really want, we really want our people who buy the insurance policies, we're calling them members, because we want them to understand they're part of a community, we're sharing the premiums, and when they have something bad happen, we're going to do our best to give them the, all the money that they deserve as quickly as they can. So we really want to stand out in brokers' offices and give you something else to sell, which will be a social purpose insurance company. So I'm happy that they're well on their way, but we didn't get there before I expired. <laughs> okay. um, speaking of expiring, there is now one less female president in the insurance business in Canada. Um, and we, you know we all know the demographics of the insurance business, right? You know it's much more heavily female dominated than the average Canadian part of the population. But when you get to the senior ranks, that kind of turns around. So I'm going to ask you, a, I think, a fairly loaded slash obvious question. You know, are there enough female CEOs slash presidents of insurance companies in Canada? And over the last say 10 years or so, do you see things getting better, same, or worse? So I'll say one thing, um, they've replaced me with two women. Okay, so they've divided my job up into three. They gave you the easy part to Graham. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and Anna and Tracy have the hard parts, so there you go. Uh, when I, when it, was <laughs> it was interesting because we, you know, we got together for a recent retirement on the leaders. You know, Valerie Lavoie is heading Desjardins. Before her, Barbara Bellissimo was head of State Farm. Uh, Sylvie Wright's at Northbridge. Um, Heather Masterton's at Travelers. Uh, there's myself um, at Wawanisa, though Jeff is the CEO. You know, I got to be the president. 
Uh, before us, you know, Kathy Bardswick uh, was one of my role models uh, at Camus when I was there. And when I was at Royal, we had Linda Matthews step in for Bob Gunn. So I think over the last 40 years of my career, I think it's got a lot more equal between white Caucasian males and white Caucasian females if you want to be a CEO. But the difference is you have to want to do it. You won't have to give up a lot of yourself in order to pursue these jobs. Not a lot of women would leave five children with a terminally ill husband and fly to British Columbia for three years. And my kids can tell you how awful I was to do that. You know, so not all people want to do that role. So, and I think it's harder for women sometimes because we feel a responsibility toward the family. Not that men don't feel it, but sometimes we're just bred that way. But I think as the, as the women are coming up in their 20s and 30s and the equality within our culture is becoming more normalized, I think it's just easier for women to make those choices. So the head of IBC is a woman, the head of Equity Association is a woman. And so I think there's much more equal distribution and equal opportunity. What worries me more are people of color and people of different, different sexual orientation that are visible. So visible uh, minorities more than gender bias is my concern. And Barbara Bellissimo and I teach at York University um, a class in the risk management course. When I look up at those 300 students who come to hear um, my particular section, sure there's more people show up to others, but it's a huge group when Barbara has me come. I look at the diversity of that population that's coming into insurance, and I want to make sure that that diversity of population does not go through some of the same challenges that some of us did um, of some form of bias that was in existence due to gender. I don't want to see that same bias come through around people of color or people of sexual orientation. So. Um, you know, we really have to work hard to have our organizations reflect our community, but also to train new people who want to become CEOs to get that job. And again, not everybody wants to do the job. So this, this might give you one of your first wishes, but if you had three retirement wishes to, to bestow on the industry, um, what three things would you fix? I think the first thing I've been speaking to people about is to speak proudly about the work that we do. I think one of the reasons that we haven't always been successful in tracking top talent to our great industry is we haven't been prepared to talk about the 200 million that we just invested in this community to build back after, after a disaster or the effort that we put into to stop flooding from occurring. Uh, you know, it's too easy for people to criticize insurance because that's just low hanging fruit. But how many times do we actually defend our position and say, hey, wait a second, for automobile insurance, we're giving back 70, 75 cents of every dollar back, fixing cars, fixing people, doing what we need to do. We really have to be proud of the work that we do. And when we hear people speaking poorly about our industry, we really have to speak up. It might be in the grocery store. It might be on an airplane. It might be in a lineup. My favorite is in the back of taxi cabs with the taxi cab drivers when they find out what I do. But I think we all have to be proud and speak well of the work that we do. And when people are not speaking well of us, whether it's Facebook or social media, don't hesitate to wade in. And on my social media account, which is all horses, when people speak poorly about insurance, I always weigh in and say, look, I work in the insurance community. If you'd like some help, you know, PM me and happy to see if I can't help get you sorted out. 
And so far, you know, very few people have taken me up on it. But those that have, I'm, I tell them I'm not an adjuster. I'm not a broker. Let me just see if I can explain things to you. And I just do it simply and clearly. It usually adds some value. People just don't understand what they're buying when they buy insurance. So be proud of what we do. Spend more time and money on preventing losses and being good risk managers. We know what we know how you protect your property from loss. People don't want to have claims. They joke about it, but they really don't want their house to burn down or their car to get stolen or bad things to happen to them. So what can we do to, uh, to provide more information on prevention? And if they can't prevent the loss, adapt to it. So understand if you're living on a floodplain zone, can you build a berm? If you're living in urban wildfire, how can you prevent your home from fire? If you're living in a high wind area, what can you put on your roof? So lots of work on uh, prevention. And the last piece is to embrace diversity. Diversity of thought, diversity of people, just diversity. We are not all the same. We don't all have the same ideas, but let's have two ears and listen to people of different minds. Those are my three things. Be proud of what we do, spend more money on prevention and embrace diversity of thought. Uh, Wawanese has moved to a, a broker-only distribution, which a lot of us brokers have respected that you've doubled down or tripled down on the broker distribution. Has it paid off for you? What's your feelings as you get ready to, to get on to the next version of part of your life? Do you think it's paid off or how do you feel about that? Well, I hope it's paid off because I've been defending you for the last five years. And when anybody ever asks me, well, why aren't you doing a sonnet or why aren't you doing a Bel Air? And I'm like, because we don't need to. We've got brokers and brokers are supporting us. So why do we have to? So uh, I hope it's paid off. I know it's paid off in Quebec um, with the turnaround that we've sustained from a from an operating performance. You know, having having the street smarts, having the feel of the street that brokers and the CSRs get and feeding that into us is invaluable. Otherwise, we're doing it with a great big set of data and trying to outwit everybody else with numbers. I'd much rather know what the community's feeling, what the CSRs are feeling, and, and what's going on locally and what you can do to help us. So I think it's paid off. Um, as we've moved forward and we've embraced brokers over the last five years, our underwriting performance has improved. So if you look at the performance of direct writers, the amount of money that's spent on marketing and training and all of the work that they have to do. We've just asked all of you to do that for us. And I think if we understand that brokers are there to close the sale, service the customers, we'll do the service side, we'll do the data, we'll do the technology, we'll do all that back end, but really it's all out to you. So I wanted to thank you and Steve, Jeff and Steve for spending time with those two members of our board. I invited them because they were not sure about direct to consumer versus broker. And I think you did a really good job of sharing with them your perception and your beliefs and why you think the brokers serve communities uh, better and why Wawanese is doing the right thing by supporting them. So thank you for your time as well that night. No problem. I'll do it again. Next hockey game. <laughs> so, Carol, you, you mentioned that you're doing some teaching and you have these big classes with 300 people who are looking at, you know, different aspects of insurance, potentially risk management, I think you said it was. If they come up to you after class and ask you for advice um, as upcoming graduates in the business, what is it you're telling them? Well, first of all, I'm telling them what a great industry we have. Because a few years ago when I was working for a major bank and trying to recruit on campus, everybody was lined up for the investment banking line and nobody was lined up at the insurance recruitment line. So I do spend my time letting them know what a great industry we have, how recession proof it is, 
and how willing it is to embrace uh, all kinds of people. And there's all kinds of roles. And no day is, has been the same for me since I started insurance. So first of all, I tell them it's a great career. Then I tell them if they invest in themselves, it will pay off. So that there's insurance institute courses, there's all kinds of learning that you can do around risk management to become a really good insurance professional. And if you want to have a great career, then set yourself up with a goal. So recently, I was very proud to be honored with the Established Leader Award from the Insurance Institute of Canada. But what I think I was most proud of was the number of family members who joined me in the audience. So two daughter-in-laws and a son and, and my partner, all of whom are insurance professionals, all of whom very proudly, well, three of them followed me into insurance. And so quite proud that we've got that many people in our family. But what I tell each one of them is make a goal, decide what you want to achieve. And when I was a youngster, I wrote down on a piece of paper, I'm going to be the president of an insurance company and I'm going to make it. And if you set yourself up with a goal and you continue to invest in yourself, chances are you can hit that goal. If you don't write the goal, you're never going to have it. But if you write the goal down, worst thing that's going to happen is you might miss, you might be a vice president. Still a pretty good career in insurance to be a vice president. So I say set yourself up with a goal and invest in yourself and join a really good industry. That's what I tell them. So, Carol, I'm supposed to be asking you, you know, how excited are you to be spending time on the farm with the horses? I think that's pretty obvious. One. So if you don't mind, I'm going to mix it up a little bit here. So, um, so Carol, you've been going 90 miles an hour for the last you know, number of decades, um, you know, with obviously with uh, the resume that, that you've got is, you know, super impressive and obviously a you know, tremendous amount of time. Obviously, you're going to spend some time to uh, gather your breath and ride your horses, breed the horses, etc. Are you done? Are you out of the industry? Are you planning on doing something else within the industry? You know, maybe not full time, but are you planning on getting back in the saddle, so to speak, after you've had time to decompress? So first of all, I think... COVID and Wabanese's distributed work program has kind of helped me get ready for this. So um, I've now been home for a while and in and out of the office. So I'm feeling more ready to be um, retired. How's that? So will I, am I finished um, with, in, with um, insurance? No, I'm not finished with insurance. Um, now, Jeff Goy said something to me today, which is resonating with me. There's lots of knowledge in our business, but not necessarily wisdom. And I think I've got some wisdom that I could share with people. And so if people want my wisdom, I'm going to be more than willing to share it. Sometimes young people don't want to hear from the older generation because they don't think we've got much value. And I'm okay with that, too. But if some people are asking me for wisdom, I'm more than willing to share wisdom. I don't want people making the same mistake over and over again, if I can help them see a different way, um, old, not the old way, but a different way to make things work, then I'm willing to do that. So I have applied for some board work. I've got some interviews coming up with some boards, so I'll see how that goes. Um, I'd like to do work with uh, healthcare because I think our healthcare system needs some help. I'd like to do some work with our regulator in Ontario. So yeah, if anybody you know is looking for my wisdom, I'm happy to share it. But if it's not there, then I'll sit on the tractor and spend my life up here. Now that you're retiring, what's the one thing that you'd like to say or wish you had a... What's the one thing you'd like to say but couldn't? Well, I have to be honest um, that people have been commenting on my honesty, my transparency, and my clarity through my career. 
I don't think I have anything that I wish I would have said that I didn't. I think I have more things that I wish I never said. <laughs> I don't have anything that I wish I could have said. And I think that's just true to who I am. Fair enough. Give a quick shout out to our sponsor, IFS Premium Finance, uh, who powers this show. And our relatively new charity sponsor, which is, uh, speaking of giving back to the community, that's uh, Jeff Roy slash Excalibur's Read to Ride program, uh, who are soon, very soon coming out with actually their own book uh, that they'll be giving out on behalf of the, the podcast out to a bunch of uh, schools in southwestern Ontario. So uh, so good on you, Jeff, for giving back to the community. Thanks, guys. Appreciate everything you've done, too. You know what? Um, I'll be honest. Thanks, guys, for starting these podcasts. People love them and they like to listen to them. I've worked with all four of you now for quite a while. And I have to say to all of you, thank you so much for your leadership. It's brokers like you that are making a difference and making companies be better. So thanks very much. Is retention important to your brokerage? Of course it is. That's why at IFS, we have a cancellation prevention process. Want more details? Give us a call. I know you don't always use a premium finance company, but when you do, you should use IFS. Cheers.